0: And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Keysport Daily News uh, closed at the end of 2015. We've had several conversations on this program about the sort of state of local journalism. We've talked to some of the people who had worked at the Daily News. We've also talked to some of the other uh, newspaper folks, including the Valley Mirror, who are in the area. There is a new program to try to encourage not just. Journalism, but all forms of writing, it's being done under the auspices of the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University, and it is being taught by. And I'm, I always feel like I'm mangling your name, Martha Ryle. Is that correct?
1: That's true. That's correct, Martha Ryle.
0: Okay, so I'm not. I'm not mangling it. Uh, you. She is set up a group called Tube City Writers. Right now, they are meeting on uh, alternate Tuesdays uh, at what was the former uh, McKee Sport Daily News building. It is now the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation. Uh, good morning, Martha.
1: Good morning. How are you? I'm very
0: good. So you've, as we're talking, you have had your first uh, meeting last week, and uh, you had, what, about a dozen people?
1: Yeah. I was jazzed. It was wonderful. A nice mix of ages. I think our youngest was 16, the oldest probably late 60s, and also a mix of men and women.
0: And um, what is the... I have a lot of questions to ask, and they're sort of tumbling over each other. But it's not just going to be news writing or photojournalism. You are encouraging all sorts of writers to participate.
1: Right. Right now, I want to see what's out there. I want to see where the interests are. And while the emphasis will be telling stories about McKeesport, right now, I just want people to get their feet wet and get comfortable with writing. But also, as you know, as a longtime writer, Writing can be a very solitary activity. So it's also very social. Get out of your house. Come down and hang out with us on the second and fourth Tuesday evening of every month. Get some feedback. Have, participate in some writing exercises just to k- kind of get the creative juices flowing.
0: How, how will people – how should people get in touch with you?
1: Probably best to email me at mryle at pointpark.edu.
0: And Rial is spelled R-I-A-L.
1: That's correct.
0: Okay. Um, And the next session will be coming up on when?
1: Tuesday, May 28th, the day after Memorial Day.
0: Okay, so May 28th, uh, Tuesday at 6 o'clock, and that is at the old McKeesport Daily News building in McKeesport, what is now the Tube City Center for business and innovation
1: correct on the second floor and we do have an elevator for people who don't like to climb steps
0: or may may not be able Uh, Martha Ryle is our guest this morning Uh, we're talking about the writing workshops that she's begun at the the old McKeesport Daily News building and we're also going to talk a little bit about her career which has been very uh, broad and uh, includes a a Pulitzer Prize (laughs) you knew that was gonna come up right yeah Uh, you know it was gonna gonna stick that in there somewhere Um, Tell us about yourself. Uh, You grew up in Murraysville, I believe.
1: That's true. I did. I grew up in Murraysville in Westmoreland County. At that time, Murraysville was the sticks. Uh, You know, I was fortunate to grow up up on several acres of land and a creek and just had the great outdoors at uh, at my disposal. And I also went to Franklin Regional High School.
0: Were there journalists in your family or photographers in your family? What sparked your love of storytelling, and in particular using a camera?
1: Well, my father was just an amazing storyteller. He had, he had the gift for bringing people together. He just could entertain people for hours on telling a story. Me, I was more visually oriented. I loved uh, doing crafts and painting when I was young, and I loved the visual arts, but I also wanted to tell a story, and I also wanted some adventure. Photography was just a great fit, and especially if you have a short attention span, <laughs> photography is even a better fit. So I, was re- I gravitated to photography very young, and I started shooting on a regular basis when I was 17.
0: What was your first camera?
1: Oh, it was an old Yashica that I had bought from the local photographer who worked for the Penn Franklin News, which oh, I, don't, sure. yes. I don't think that's in existence anymore. Really? I'm oh, not that's su- But I'm that. not sure. Okay. Uh, 35, 35 <laughs> millimeter then? Yes, it was. Okay. And shot film until the early 2000s. What,
0: what were you taking pictures of? Is and, and how old were you when you got this camera?
1: Well, family, my cats. Uh, I have a few sisters, so they were frequent subjects. Just the the countryside about around where I grew up, but I always loved photographing people. I knew at an early age I wanted to photograph people.
0: You would have been what eleven or twelve, something like
1: that, maybe. Not that young because I was still doing a lot more arts and crafts at that time. I'd say about sixteen. Okay, and I always, you know, we got the Pittsburgh Press at our home. And you know, I would you know, study the images every day, but I also was a big fan of Life magazine and mm-hmm. Look magazine too. Um, at that time, you couldn't get the Post-Gazette delivered to Westmoreland County. They didn't have home delivery.
0: So uh, we're talking with uh, Martha Ryle. She is teaching a, a journalism workshop in, in McKeesport uh, that is meeting twice a month right now. She is also working on uh, or has worked on a couple of projects in Wilkinsburg and Sharpsburg. We're going to talk about those, too. I'm going to ask you about those. Give people your uh, your website address if they want to see some more of your work.
1: Sure. You can look at MarthaRyle.com. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, I, 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 you said you always you, – you became very early on. You found that you liked photographing people. Um, That's correct. Is that difficult because I sometimes you've you know you've got to take someone's picture. What's their first reaction? Oh, I don't want my picture taken. You know,
1: I've done it for so long that I forgot if there was ever an awkward moment. <laughs> it's, really, I'm going on – I started shooting professionally when I was twenty, so I'm going on my thirty eighth year as a working photographer. Okay. So honestly, I can't remember. I've just done it for so long, and I was, you know, if you're if you're curious about people, photography is is just great. A camera is a great way to break the ice.
0: One of the things that I have always loved about journalism and about nonfiction uh, writing is it is kind of a, I don't want to say a license to invade people's privacy, but it is a little bit of a license to ask questions that you would not normally ask. That's
1: true. Oh, absolutely. But you still have to remember a camera is a tool and it really shouldn't separate you from the person. So the camera needs to really be an extension of your body, of who you are. It's just an instrument for um, capturing (laughs) their souls, so to speak. (laughs) But uh, again, it's a terrific way to get to know people. I've made so many friends through Um, My life in photography, I've had so many experiences and have been able to witness so much. I feel so fortunate.
0: You went from uh, Franklin Regional High School to where? Ohio University?
1: No, I did a stop at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Um, It was a very different school then. I spent two years there. And it was actually a teacher there who was the first one to say to me, I think I was about 19, who told me he thought I had a gift for photographing people. And that was the first time anybody said that to me. I knew I enjoyed it. I knew I liked to do it. But and that was the first time that somebody ever, ever, you know, cl- clarified that for me.
0: Who was that teacher? Do you remember the name?
1: No, he only stayed, I believe his last name was McNally. He was only there for a year or so. He was a free spirit and, and moved on.
0: Okay. Um, and then from AIP then
1: uh, to abs- the you? No. no. So I worked for a while. I was actually a photographer for the city of Pittsburgh when I was 22 years old. I had a contract to work at the Parks and Recreation Department in 1984. They paid me five bucks an hour and all <laughs> sure. the film I could shoot. But uh-huh. that was when the city had a lot of money and a lot of corporate money and under Caligiri, under Mayor Caligiri. It was a different place then. So there was so many summer activities at that time. So I spent Uh, several months doing that. It was a great job. And then after that, I'd always done freelance work. I worked for the old Pittsburgh Preview Magazine and a little bit for Pittsburgh Magazine or another business magazine called Executive Report. Mm -hmm. I was with them for a while.
0: That was Linda Dickerson's magazine, I think. That's correct. That's correct. I think
1: I made $35 an assignment, um, but it was just a You know, it was the early 80s, and it was a very different time and place. And then after that, I took a job with Mellon Bank, and I was an in-house photographer for two years for them.
0: When you look back on, I have a hard time, and probably anyone in any endeavor, probably Painters, when they look back at their early paintings, probably cringe. I read some of the stuff that I wrote when I was 19 or 20 and, and sometimes go, oh, I'm glad the Internet wasn't around then because I, I, didn't yeah. want that, I don't want that to be so accessible. Uh, do you ever look back on, on your early photos and say, boy, this was, this was obviously the product of someone who was learning?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a couple of years ago, we organized an exhibit of the punk rock scene in Pittsburgh in the early 80s. And it was called Non-Punk Pittsburgh, and it was on display at Space Gallery in downtown Pittsburgh. So it, it forced all of us to dig out old negatives and scan them and I found a photograph that I had made of Steve Bader's, who was the front man for Lords of the New Church. And what was interesting about that image is that I photographed him with his parents. And his parents came – he was from Youngstown, had drove down to, from to, to see their son. To see son, a punk rock show. To see their son. He was an only child and he was much beloved and his parents were so proud of him. And I had totally forgotten about this image until I dug it up.
0: Uh, and, and – does it take you back i mean can you sort of recapture for yourself the emotions that you were feeling or, or the, the the sights the sounds of
1: well if you were if you can remember the 80s then you probably weren't there as they say about the 60s i honestly don't remember i vaguely remember going to the concert and it wasn't until i started studying my images that I that I had that moment. I'm thinking, who is this couple? And and then I realized it was his parents.
0: We'll have to take a break here in, in about a minute or so. But I want to ask you, because you mentioned this sort of transition from uh, film to digital, and you, you just mentioned scanning negatives, which is something if you've been taking pictures for a long time, you have to do. Uh, did, did it change at all your work as a photographer? I mean, did, did, you, did, did going to digital from
1: film I always think that's a good question. I sort of I made the transition when I was working for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And I think the first digital images I made were in 1998. But I really didn't shoot digital full-time until about 2002, 2003. And that's when they actually took away the old um, color processing machines. So mm-hmm. I, I had no choice. I think what's interesting now about digital is that you, too, tend to make – um, you take more risk, I guess. Okay. You take more risk and you're able to get immediate feedback on them. But it can really change the nature of your shoot if you're always looking at what, you're, what you've made and that you're sharing it with your subjects. And that's a whole other dimension now too um, when I'm doing shoots is that people want to peek at the back of the camera.
0: Let's, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to find out uh, what made you uh, make the, the switch from uh, corporate photography uh, into journalism. It's Martha Ryle, dot com. She is uh, leading a group called Tube City Writers. Uh, they are meeting at the old McKeesport Daily News building. The next meeting is the day after Memorial Day at uh, 6 o'clock on the second floor of the McKeesport Daily News building. Ryle at pointpark.edu is the uh, email address. That's correct. We'll be right back. You're listening to Two Rivers, 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media, Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Welcome back. Our guest this morning is Martha Ryle. She is a photographer and a freelance journalist. You probably have seen her byline over the years in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. She is out on her own and working in a lot of community storytelling projects, including one in McKeesport uh, that is going to be meeting. It's May 28th, is the next one? Correct. Uh, that's Tuesday, May 28th at 6 o'clock on the second floor of what was the McKeesport Daily News Building, is now the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation. You can email her for more information, Ryle R-I-A-L at pointpark.edu. Uh, when we took the break, I was mentioning that you were you were talking about your early career. I didn't realize you had done so much corporate and freelance photography earlier in your, your career.
1: Well, that was sort of the way to survive back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, actually... It's kind of uh, the way to survive now. Absolutely. Back in the 60s and 70s, all the corporations downtown had full-time photographers. Mm-hmm. And there was even a photo bureau that just served businesses an agency down on Smithfield Street. Did
0: industrial photography, as they called it. Co-
1: that's correct. It was a very, this is always, Pittsburgh's always been a great market for photography.
0: But you decided to make the move to daily journalism, which is a whole different set of demands and deadlines and probably a little bit more high pressure than industrial. I've known some industrial photographers who've gone back and forth and it's it, it, is it a different or is it not
1: well there's a lot of stresses in the corporate world sure. too it's a whole different hierarchy but i'm so glad i had that opportunity to to um to experience all that early in my career. I had always been interested in newspaper work. So and I had friends who worked for newspaper photography. So what happened, I believe it was 1987, I got laid off from Mellon Bank. That was the big banking crash here in Pittsburgh. Thousands of Mellon Bank employees lost their jobs. So with that, I was able to go back to school. And that's when I went to Ohio University. And I started at their School of Visual Communication in the fall of 1988.
0: That has always had a reputation as a really great uh, communications program and journalism program. Uh, How did that influence you? We're already telling stories. but
1: It helped a lot. They really – getting feedback on my shooting skills, I felt like I grew so much there. I really did. And, And everybody I went to school with, you know, you just sort of follow along with each other's careers over the years. And we've all gone through the ups and downs of the newspaper business. But I was a newspaper photographer for 20 years.
0: Uh, Martha Ryle is uh, our guest this morning, M. Ryle at pointpark.edu. If you would like some information about uh, the journalism workshop she is leading at the McKeesport Daily News building, uh, you can also go to her website if you'd like more information about her work, martharyle.com. Um, and once you graduated from Ohio University, then I guess I got a little bit ahead of the story. Then you ended up in Florida?
1: The, yes. After, yeah. So what I did, I grad, I left OU. I didn't actually graduate. Okay. That's, a, that's a whole other story. I was a few credits shy, but I wanted to get back into the work first. So I did a, a series of um, internships and I worked briefly at the Journal Newspapers in Washington, D.C. They were great suburban papers at that time. And then I spent two years in Florida at the Fort Pierce and Port St. Lucie Tribune. And then I got hired at my hometown newspaper. Uh, At the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. So I started at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette in 1994.
0: I want to jump back for a second and I don't want to get you in trouble or put you on the spot, but you told me off the air that Florida was a great place to be a photojournalist or probably a journalist in general. It's almost become a cliche that if you see some news story out of Florida, it's probably got something... Wacky happening to it.
1: Absolutely. It's just so a wonderful place to shoot. The light is so beautiful. Every, You know, they have such strong open record laws there that nobody really hides anything. I mean, you can even find out if your neighbor renewed their dog license. The records are that f- free and open. So that really makes an impact on the lifestyle. And there's so much news there because you have all these different kinds of people from all walks of life. Coming together and living on a sandbar on a giant sandbar who
0: have poured in there in many cases from all over the country That's all correct. these different yes. diverse backgrounds, and that was also a time, I guess when Florida was growing right hugely
1: and you know it was always a hustle for for you know making ends meet and it's it's so have all that against the the backdrop of this you know the beautiful Florida sunset and coastline was just it was great. I went back and worked there two more, a few more years at the Saint Petersburg Times, which is now the Tampa Bay Times. Mm-hmm. So I went back for more.
0: You, but you, you really wanted to come to Pittsburgh and experience Pittsburgh winters again, was that it? Or?
1: Well, yes, and I was engaged to uh, okay. to marry my husband, and and I said, well, I'm going to come back, but I'm going to freelance, and I don't know what that's going to be, if I'm going to find any work. So here I am 10 years later.
0: What were some of the uh, stories that you remember covering uh, for the Post-Gazette when you got back here?
1: Well, I remember working on our gang project. That was probably 1995, and we did a a huge project on race. I believe that was also 1995 and 96. I spent a lot of time documenting the Orthodox Jewish community. That was a big one, but and also did a lot of stories on the lives of women and women's issues. I w- went to DC numerous times to cover Pittsburghers protest- protesting and p- participating and exercising free speech. You know, it was such a wide variety, but I, you know, I got to and I got to also spend a lot of time doing healthcare and education. And I thought every newspaper covered healthcare extensively. But after you leave Pittsburgh, not many do, which is kind of surprising. So it was a great learning experience. But I, th- the work I remember the most, I guess I would have to say were my international projects.
0: Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. And unfortunately we have another break coming up. We may we may end up going over a little bit of time and we will put the uh, remainder of the interview then on our website at TubeCityOnline.com. Um, when was your first uh, international trip as a journalist?
1: My first one was when I went to Africa to document my sister's work In she was working with Rwandan and Burundian refugees in Tanzania. So in 1996, I convinced the paper to let me go and spend a month traveling with my sister. And at that time, she was working for the International Rescue Committee. And I badgered them, and I badgered them, and they finally (laughs) said yes. They just said, okay, go. And I remember getting all my shots in one day and getting very sick. But a few days later, I was on a plane to Kigali. How long, you said you got most of your shots or all of your shots in one day? Yes, so they don't, I don't recommend that. <laughs> I don't recommend that at all.
0: <laughs> uh, and, and, and then how long were you actually there, though?
1: Almost a month. Okay. I went right after Thanksgiving in 1996, and I was there. I came back a few days before Christmas. It, you know, it takes so long to get anywhere. And I, when I got there, I traveled down to the, the border of Rwanda and Tanzania because my sister was in Tanzania. And, um, and if, you know, they weren't going to let me in. I mean, they weren't letting journalists into the country at that time. The only reason I got in is because my sister was working there as a nurse.
0: Let's pause right there and uh, pick it up in 30 seconds with uh, what you saw and um, what you saw when you finally were able to develop your, your images, okay? Sure. Uh, Martha Ryle is our guest. She is teaching a s- series of workshops for journalists. She's also going to be conducting some photo safaris in the McKeesport area uh, under the auspices of uh, Point Park University. You can find out more by emailing her, mryle, that's R-I-A-L, at pointpark.edu. Uh, you can also come to the next meeting, which will be Tuesday, May 28th, at 6 o'clock on the second floor of the former McKeesport Daily News building. Uh, that's at 409 Walnut Street. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Welcome back to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, and our guest this morning is Martha Ryle from... uh uh, well, where are you from? You're from yourself now. <laughs> MarthaRyle.com. I was going to say from the Post-Gazette, but that's been some time.
1: Yes, it's been almost... I left in 2006, so that's okay. been 13 years. We almost were, 13 years.
0: We were talking about your experiences uh, traveling in East Africa uh, with your sister and then taking pictures. Is that the journey for which then your photos were submitted for the Pulitzer? Or? That's correct. Okay.
1: So I spent a month there and I came back and I happened to be in Tanzania when the the government shut down the border and ordered all the refugees, Rwandan refugees, to go home. So at that hearing that, many of the refugees started to flee into the bush. They were Because unfortunately, there were some that were guilty. Many were innocent, but there were some who were guilty. Let me pause for for
0: a second because for people who may be younger and and may not remember what was going on, there was intertribal genocide going on. There were tribes were being Massacred. Um, well, yes. I mean, you had, not in Tanzania, but in uh, uh, Burundi <coughs> and Rwanda.
1: And, and yes, and R- Burundi remained a mess for a very long time. But in Rwanda, you had the hundred day war between the, the the genocide of Tutsis by the Hutus. By the
0: Hutus. Um, so this was a major international crisis, and you were one of the only people who was on the spot. To document it.
1: Well, I wasn't there right after the genocide. I was actually there two and a half years later, when the governments ordered the refugees to leave their country. The month to, so
0: to send them back then to the countries right. where they had fled from.
1: Right, exactly. It was going to. It was a very unstable situation. So I happened to be there, one of the few journalists. Really, I think the only I met a crew from CNN and a New York Times reporter, and that was it. Okay,
0: so the only uh, other than the CNN videographer, the only f- photojournalist. Correct. Okay. Correct. What were you? What were you seeing? What, what, what were some of the stories people were telling you?
1: Well, there was fear because many did not want to go back. They did not want to go back to Rwanda. They didn't know what faced them there. Would they still have a home? Would they still have a place to grow crops? Many of them had been separated for families. They didn't know where their family or friends were. It was such a time of upheaval. So mainly it was fear that they didn't, people didn't want to go back. And there were some guilty genocide heirs yeah. hiding among innocent refugees.
0: And which, which always has happened throughout uh, human history. I, I, I know you don't want to dwell on this because I, I get the sense, and I'm sorry to keep putting you on the spot, um, I get the sense that you're a little bit uncomfortable talking about this. But when was the project submitted for the Pulitzer Prize?
1: Well, it wasn't it submitted was su- to a year later because, okay. uh, remember, we published in January. Yeah. And, the, and the editor at the time said, well, my immediate editor said, well, maybe it's um, – Oh, it, this work is too old. There's other work out there. You know, I don't think so. And Madeline Ross, who was managing editor, said, no, we're going to enter it.
0: And where were you when you got the word that you had won? And I ask this because, uh, after all, your some of your former colleagues there uh, have just won another Pulitzer for the Post. Right. right. Um, so we, we've seen some stories about, you know. Some people just didn't believe it.
1: (laughs) Right. I didn't believe it. Yeah. I really didn't believe it. I was in the newsroom. I was supposed to go out of town on assignment. And we had actually had been er just celebrating some other awards we won. So we were already eating cake. (laughs) when it was announced. Well, that was lucky. Yeah, exactly. That was
0: fortunate to already have cake. Uh, Martha Ryle is our guest. Uh, She is leading uh, some journalism workshops, some storytelling workshops in McKeesport. um, The next one is coming up Tuesday, May 28th. And you are going to continue throughout the summer on a, what, every other week basis there, more or less? Yes,
1: the second and fourth Tuesday evening of every
0: month. And you don't have to be from McKeesport to participate in that. You can be from anywhere
1: Right. The Mon Valley. Yeah. We're encouraging Mon Valley residents Okay, And to you, participate. they're also,
0: since we haven't talked a whole lot about that since, uh, and we'll get back to that, You can be just about any age as well or any experience level. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, If you would like more information about the next workshop meeting, which is uh, Tuesday, May 28th at 6 o'clock, you can email Martha at mryle at pointpark.edu. Most of the people obviously listening weren't at the first uh, session that you had. You had a nice crowd, though. But are, are should people be concerned that oh I can't make a commitment to every second and fourth uh, Tuesday? Yeah, no, I might absolutely miss some.
1: not. It's drop in, you know, come okay. when you can. And again, this is it is an experiment. We're going to see where it goes. But right now, I'm just gauging the interest, and I really want people to feel welcome. So you're feeling and also it might form
0: and reform kind of over time, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's going to be a fluid situation, but it's also fun to have people in the building because the first meeting. Remember, I asked how many yeah. people have been here before. Most of them had not. been been in this building and this was their community newspaper building for many 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 years so i thought that was interesting
0: um you are talking about doing some photo safaris what's a photo safari and how does one do one
1: (laughs) a photography safari is what i like to call them it's basically going out on an adventure and looking for moments and documenting your surroundings. Um, we sort of take on it as as if it's a hunt because we're, you know, we're looking for people. We're looking for ideas. We're looking for happenings. We're looking for moments. So that's where the safari name comes from. But it's a chance also to go out and photograph in a small group. What haven't
0: I asked you that you would like to mention?
1: Well, I want to say thank you to the people in McKeesport for welcoming me. I mean, it's, I'm so touched by it. I really am. It's just people have been so wonderful. And I feel like I'm I'm one of them now, which is wonderful.
0: Well, uh, as soon as they put you on a committee for something, then you'll know for sure
1: Yeah, true.
0: that they have taken you to, to heart. Uh, Martha Ryle is uh, leading the Tube City Writers Group. It is a new group uh, of people interested in writing of all kinds, um, probably mostly uh, creative nonfiction and journalism. But you've had some interest from people who want to write fiction. You've had some interest from people who want to write screenplays. And, of course, Nicole Peeler, who is uh, helping teach the classes with you. Is herself a uh, fiction writer, um, so
1: she's really doing a lot of creative nonfiction yeah. right now. That's really that's okay. what she's been publishing on Medium.
0: Okay, so there's a wide range of interests. It doesn't. It's not all
1: right journalism, exactly. and it's
0: not all fiction, and it's not all necessarily prose. Uh, At your first session, they worked with some poetry as well.
1: Right, they did, and we worked on the micro-essays, which I thought were fantastic. That
0: was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun to see people sort of come alive, including uh, the younger people. Absolutely. Is, Is it hard to get the younger people engaged?
1: Well, you don't want it to feel like school. school. I don't want it to feel like school because they've been in school all day. They don't want to come to another classroom. So it has to be fun.
0: Okay. M Ryle at pointpark.edu. You can check out uh, Martha's website at martharyle.com, R-I-A-L.com. Or you can uh, join her on May 28th at 6 o'clock at the McKeesport Daily News Building. I'm going to have a hard time stopping saying that. The Tube City Center for... Business and Innovation, that is the old McKeesport Daily News building at the corner of Walnut and Lyle Boulevard. Uh, That meeting is on the second floor, and it is free and open to the public. Martha, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: And thank you all for listening to Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. So long for now.